Thank you, fellas. That was awesome. Thanks, Ricky. It's good having you with us this morning. Well, good morning and stuff. There are probably maybe a couple of people that walk in in the middle. We we need to design a church. I've realized now I know why they put the doors in the back. <laughs> so 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 you don't have to be like, oh hey, come on in right in the middle and everything. So we will have to think about that. Um, as we move into our own space one day. Also, um, hey, I'm excited and a little bit nervous about this new series. Um, because I really think, um, as a church, we have to decide why we come together. And as a people, why are we even meeting? Why are we gathering in, in my house and, and week after week kind of being here? Um, there, there's a quote that I've used, um, a number of times and, and I love Tozer. It says, 100 religious persons knit into, a uni- knit into a unity by careful organization do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. The first requisite is life, always. Um, just because we come together and we meet doesn't necessarily mean we're a church. And, and I think um, in our culture, we have gone to a place where we think that's what it is. And that it's just us kind of all coming together. You know, it's, it's, I show up on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Thursday night or whenever. Um, and okay, that constitutes church, but it, it's got to be more than that. It, it, it's got to be, you know, something that doesn't just get me out of bed because eventually we'll get tired. Eventually you just go through the motions and stuff. And so, my question this morning and my question through this whole thing as we start the series is what does it actually mean to belong to and be the church? I've probably put the wrong two in there, but I can never get those correct. I always forget which one. Um, but what does it mean to belong to and be the church? I think that's a question we have to ask before we start inviting people and before we start saying this is what Grace Baptist is going to be and this is what church is going to be. We have to be able to decide and define that ourselves. And so now, Kirche is the word for church in German. And and I think that is what most of the time we think. You know, as I as I talk to people in four corners and, and I meet them, they're like, Oh, you started a church, that's awesome. Where are you meeting? And as soon as I say house they get this like blank stare and they're like, oh, well, tell us when you have a place, because that's what the word means. It's a place to gather this German word that happened and it says it's the building and everything. And so oftentimes that's what we think. But in the New Testament, over 115 times it uses the word ecclesia. It's about the assembly of believers. It's about the people that gather. It's about and what happens to those people and what those people do together. And so there's a different idea of what the Bible says church is and what, what, what our culture and what we have come to accustom and, and, and define church as. And so this morning, I, I really want to think of because our churches are in trouble. Nine out of ten churches in the United States are either declining or they're not growing fast enough to keep up with the growth in their community. I mean, we, we've all kind of hit this 
place. And, and I, this isn't like a doom thing that the church is closing and we're all dying and everything. And also because God is still doing amazing things. And I think what's happening is people are understanding um, there's a difference between showing up to church and being the church. And there are people that understand that um, as a follower of Christ, there are certain things that I need to actually live out and do. And so those people that have just been kind of just showing up are not showing up as much anymore. And so we see that that happening. And so I really we're going to take the next six weeks or so before we get into the Christmas season and talk about what does it mean to be a church member. And really for for me and for us, this is kind of like this would be our membership class. Um, and, and at the end of this, we, we're going to come together and we're going to decide, is this what we want? Is this what we see happening and stuff? Because if it's not, there is really no point in us just to keep meeting to meet for meeting's sake. Because either either we are the church and what that means as members of the church and all of us are members and what, what that membership looks like and the responsibilities of that. And, and we're living that out. Or we're just a place. Encourage it. And so my desire is that we find out what it actually means to not only belong to church, but to be the church over the next couple of weeks. Will you pray with me? Father God, I just thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you for those that couldn't be here. Um, if they're rushing to get here, God, I just pray you keep them safe. Um, if not, God, that you would bless them today. But Father, you have gathered us here. God, and... Um, I'm I'm a little overwhelmed this morning, just the thought of that song that, God, no matter what happens here, you're in control, and it is well. Our desire this morning is simple. We want to honor you. God, we, we want to fall more in love with you, and we want to look more like you. And so today, would you just speak? Would you just just move me out of the way? And God, just speak to our hearts. God, encourage us, challenge us, um, make us more. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the whole idea of church membership is kind of something that um, seems a little old-fashioned to a lot of people. A lot of people, we, we don't do membership. We, we just, like, we're just going to get together. And, and I think that's really strange and odd because as I read the Bible and I study like Old Testament and New Testament, I'm kind of reading through the Bible. Um, this year, and I'm, I'm in Judges, which is <coughs> really one of the most depressing books ever. Um, if you just read like, hey, we love Jesus, and then uh, let's sacrifice our kids to this God and stuff. And just these cycles over and, and over again. But all through the Bible, Old and New Testament, God talks to us. Jesus talks to us in covenants. You, you ever notice that, that there's always a covenant when, when he met when he met Adam and Eve, when he created Adam and Eve, there was a covenant. Like, hey, do everything, stay away from those two trees, and you're good. That was a covenant. When he met Abraham, there was a covenant. Hey, go to this land. I'm going to make a great nation, but you have to follow me. You have to do this. There was a covenant. Moses, the Ten Commandments, there was a covenant. Even when Jesus came and he instituted the Lord's Supper, he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's a contract. It's a promise. Between us, it's like, hey, I'm going to do this, and you're going to, and I expect this from you, and I, you expect this from me, and there's, there's like a contract signed, and God has always dealt in that. You know, I, I kind of get this picture if I looked at my wife 26 years ago and said, hey, I love you, you're awesome, let's just live together. 
I don't think that would last very long. There was a covenant we went into that for better or worse, sick and health, that we are going to stick through this. And there's always been a covenant. So why would we take that out of Christ's bride? Why would we take that as a thing that God, you know, the goal of Christ and everything, bringing it together, the church and creating this massive organism. Why would we take a covenant out of that? See, I think membership is important, but I think we have the wrong idea of what membership is. I think we get into the idea of what membership looks like in the world. It says, you know, I have certain rights and you know, I have these things that I get. I pay my dues and stuff like we're members of the annual pass holders. And so it means that when I show up to Disney, my pass, as long as I'm paying it, I should be able to get in and it should be the happiest day on earth every time I show up. There, there's things like that. This covenant is different. I think it's always been different. And that's really what we want to start talking about. We really want to start talking about um, the idea of first thing first is that we don't just show up to church to show up. We function. There's a reason we show up. And we're going to be sitting in 1 Corinthians 12 um, this morning. So if you've got your Bibles or you have your iPhones or iPads or tablets or whatever, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And starting at verse 12, you see Paul start saying about the body, start talking and defining what the body of Christ, what this ecclesia, this assembly of people looks like. And he says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Paul gives us this great picture of what the church looks like, that it's a body, which means that every person here has a purpose. Every person here has has some kind of function. No matter where you go, whether it's here or any other church, if God has called you to that church and that's a place where you feel like you should be, there is a functioning part of it. 
And the truth is, is if you're not doing that function, then the body hurts. Then something's not going to get done. And so this morning, again, we need to look at this idea. Church membership, being a part of the church, being longing to the church, and being the church means that I have function and I have purpose in it. And so there's a couple of things. Membership means all are necessary parts of the whole. That it takes every single one. Verse 27 and 28. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. God has put all this together. And I think sometimes we get in the idea that what needs to be done is someone else's job. You know, I've been to churches where they've said, well, we don't do visitation. We don't go and evangelize because that's the pastor's job. Or we, we don't do Bible study because, the, you know, that's the pastor's job or that's the Sunday school teacher's job. Every one of us has a part and we're all necessary. This doesn't happen if we don't show up. And this becomes nothing more than it is now than if we don't start doing what God has called us to do. And places here. And, and, and it's cool. No church in this country is lacking. You know, I'll sit here and I'll, I'll pray. And I'll look and I'll say, God, you know, we need leaders and we need this and we need that. But every church that God has ordained has everything necessary to be successful in God's eyes. And so the gifts we need, the talents we need, the things we need as a church and, and, and as a body are here. Already. And every one of us is important. I'm not more important because I'm a pastor. It's a level. I love one of my professors used to always say the foot of the cross is level ground. There's nothing greater about me than you. I struggle with the same things. I struggle with doubt. I struggle with fear. I struggle with all kinds of things that you probably struggle with. There's no difference. It's not like there's this extra spirituality in me. It's just my giftings are, are leadership and preaching and stuff like that and being a pastor. I believe God has called me that. And what we need to do is figure out what, what God has called you because your part is necessary in the church. The second thing, membership means we are different, but we still work together. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Could you imagine going to a church where we are all exactly the same? That'd be horrible. We, we'd get absolutely, if everyone was like me, we would, <coughs> we would get absolutely nothing done. You know, if, if everyone was like me, then we would just sit around and talk about like scripture and just do this, but there'd be no administration. There'd be no like forward planning and stuff like that. It would just talk about vision and do all that stuff. And that's fun, but we wouldn't get anything done because we need administration. We need people that have ideas. Um, we'd never sing because I can sing, but I can't play an instrument. I mean, if, if every, we, we all are different. We all bring something special to this. And we rejoice in that. And we're not envious of each other either. Have you ever been a place where you're like, man, I wish I was like that person. 
Or I wish I had that gift. Or I wish I could do that. I mean, God has given you specifically, come on in. This is why we're going to put the door in the back of the church. Come on in. <laughs> yeah, start opening the sliding glass door. <laughs> the servant's entrance is in back. No. Um, but, I mean, we still, we have to work together. and It should be kind of fun. I, I can't do all of this. You can't do all of this. And each of us brings something different, a different perspective. And that's what's really cool. That's the thing that makes the church so amazing. Is that we all come from different backgrounds. We come from different ideologies. We come from different, you know, just areas. And all these interests and all that stuff. But the one thing that ties us all together is Jesus. Every other religion and belief system on this planet is you have to conform to what everyone else is. You, you, you know, I pray three times. I do pilgrimages. I, I do this. I do that. And there's a bunch of checklists and everything. And we... We have to conform and all kind of look alike. But in Jesus' church, we're all different. And it's Jesus that unifies us and brings us together. And so membership means that, yeah, we are different and we celebrate that, but we still work together. Number three, membership means we say and what we say and do is based on the biblical foundation of love. Love should motivate us. Jump one chapter over. What's really interesting to me is we always read um, 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings. But Paul wrote it to the church. Paul wrote it and said, this is how we should treat one another. This is what this should look like in the midst of a church and the body. And he says, and you've, you've heard this before, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not look, rejoice. Um, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This passage that we've made for every wedding is not about marriage. It's about the church. This is how we're to treat one another. This is how we're to plan and, and to do. And everything that comes with it is based on this biblical foundation of love. It, it's patient. Some of us are farther along in our faith walk than others. And so we're patient with those. Some, it's kind. Like, I'm, I'm horrible at sarcasm. And if I'm in a bad mood, it becomes biting sarcasm. It's just like I'm a very sarcastic person. But love says it, it, it's kind. There's kindness there. There's, there's general. It doesn't envy. It doesn't look at someone else and say, I wish I had or I want that. It's not us looking at another church if we only had this. It's, 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 it doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. I mean, everything we do and say comes from love. There are so many people that are looking at the church today, at different churches, and saying, I'm not going to go there. They're just mean. 
And if we can, if we can focus that we come together because the love of Christ dwells in us and because that he loves us, we can love him and we can love each other. And what we do is out of love. Isn't that something that you think other people would want? I mean, when we're unified in love like that, isn't that something that's attractive? And that's that's what God calls the church to be. That's what Jesus says. This is my bride, and and and, and I love her, and they should love each other. And so we we understand, you know, it's not about me. So often we look at membership as something that's about me. It's like a, being a part of a country club. I I have I pay my dues. You know, I give my tithes and offerings, so it should be about what I want and all this stuff. Love's the opposite of that. Biblical love is about what's best for everyone else, what's what's best for this community, what's best for the people that need it most. You know, love love is never never put in a place where I, I love it. Love is not self seeking, it's not selfish. It's it's the opposite of that. And we have to be able to look out into this community. I drove around here Saturday just driving through neighborhoods, praying. I walked around Publix three or four times, getting strange looks at people as I kept looping Publix, just praying for people and just looking at saying, God, I could never love these people as much as you love them. God, I could never love the people that show up on Sunday mornings as much as you love them. You're going to have to help me. You're, you're going to have to show me. But membership means, man, my first act is an act of love. Oh, my good friend Jay Strack, who teaches leadership and stuff to students all over the world, taught thousands of students, he says the mark of a leader is that the first step is always a positive step. The first word is always a positive word. What's our first thought for other people, for this community, for everyone else around us and our family and all that was one that was to edify, to build up and not complain. Membership means we say and do, everything we say and do is based on a biblical foundation of love. I I, I love this. This is a little, with, with this whole series, there's a bunch of commitments. And it says, I'm a church member. I like the metaphor of membership. It's not membership as in a civic organization or a country club. It's the kind of membership given us in 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Because I am a member of the body of Christ, I must be a functioning member. Whether I'm an eye, an ear, or a hand, as a functioning member, I will give, I will serve, I will minister, I will evangelize, I will study, I will seek to be a blessing to others. I'll remember that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. To be the church means that we have a role. God has gifted every single one of us. God has given us spiritual gifts. God has given us talents and abilities. If you don't know what those are, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, all you have to do is type in Google spiritual gifts. And there's about 30,000 different little tests that you can take, and you can start seeing. Most of us probably know kind of like, this is where I lean. 
We, we know the talents we have. We, we know the abilities. We know if we're an introvert or an extrovert. It, it's kind of funny. I'm an extroverted introvert. Which means like when there's a crowd and I'm speaking, I can be outgoing. I'd be like this and stuff. But down really deep in my heart, I would like to be sitting back there in my chair in my office reading a book or something. But that, that's my prayer. And so we know our personalities. We know all these things. And God has knit us together with exactly what we need. And the really cool thing and the frightening thing is that when we are such, when we are a small group like this, that it takes everyone doing their job for this to work. It takes everyone that has the gifts and the ability to see and do and stuff certain things for for this to work. We don't just show up. I've been to so many churches over the years where people just showed up and then they ask, why isn't the church growing? Why isn't it doing? Because everybody has a job. I, I love that it says, you know. I will give, I will serve, I will minister, I will evangelize, I will study, I will seek to be a blessing to others. You know, in this book that, um, and if you don't have a copy of this, I have, I can get you copies of this. I'd love everyone to read this. Some of us did this at First Baptist Church a couple of years ago, and you still have, I'd love you to read it again. But it starts with a story of two guys that came together. <coughs> And they were really good friends, and they were in a small group together, and they were sharing. And his friend looked at him and said, listen, um, we're leaving the church. And this is why. You know, we're not getting fed, and we're, we're, not, we're, we're not seeing this, and we don't like that. And, and, we don't, and it was complaining, complaining, complaining. And he looked at his friend and he says, I don't know why you stay. You're always excited about the church. The difference between the two guys, the two members, was one was a guy that just showed up. That wasn't doing anything except just showing up. And so when we just show up and we can just we just watch everything, it's really easy to just start seeing what's wrong. The other guy was a small group leader. The other guy was like, hey, I want to find out ways I can serve and I can give and I can and I can fit in to do this. And, and I'm and I'm gonna tell you the honest truth is that this is something that we want to do, that we really feel called to do, then we have got to help find our place and saying, What's my role? Why did God bring me here? What what gifts and talents did he give me to build this church body? That that you you got and if you don't know what that is, then let's sit down. Let's go have coffee and you know and, and talk about it. Say, okay, what do you what are you passionate about? And let, that's fine because I I know we don't have a lot of things going on. But after a while, just sitting here week after week after week, we're all gonna get frustrated. We're all gonna sit there like, I'm not getting anything. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it's my job to feed you. It's my job to equip, to train, and to do everything I can so that you're feeding yourself. Which means, man, if you're not in the Word every day, then you're going to struggle. Be in the Word. If you're having problems with that, talk to me. I'll give you something to read to get you in the habit of doing that. Um, you know, looking for ways to minister? Come talk to us. Even if you just show up like on a Saturday morning for our Financial Peace University and like, I'm not taking class, but I'm going to be here just to pray with people. Stuff like that. Show up on a prayer walk. I mean, there we have limited opportunities, but we have opportunities. The idea is that we have got to find out why we are together. And it starts 
with knowing Jesus. It starts with just saying, Jesus, you made me. And that's promise we are his workmanship. That he's given us tasks and jobs to do. That he already ordained. That he already chose for us. And if we can figure that out, and that, then you know, it doesn't ever matter if there's 10 people here or 100 people here. Because a church with 10 people that are functioning and doing what God has called them to do and living that out will change the world faster than a church with a thousand people where everybody's just showing up. And that's what I want for us. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me is that we find that place and that we do this all together. And it doesn't matter how old or how young. Because God has gifted the children and he's gifted the adults and the young adults and the senior adults and he's gifted it all. And we all have a role and a job to do. But we have to make a commitment. I'm going to function. I'm going to do that. Then we can start understanding this is what it means to be the church. Because I think if we be the church, they'll come. It won't be about a place. It'll be about a people. And when it's about a people, things will change in this community and throughout everywhere. And so that's, that's, that's my prayer for us. And that's what this is going to be. And so I hope, you know, this... It's a simple little book. And I like that he just goes through... All the little things. He says, I'll be a functioning church member. I'll be a unifying church member. I'll not let my church be about my preferences and desires. I'll pray for my church leaders. I will lead my family to be healthy church members. And I will treasure church membership as a gift. Because this is a gift. We, we live in a place where we can still come together without fear of someone coming knocking down the door. God, in His infinite wisdom... And plan has said, you will be the hope of the world. You will carry the hope of the world. What a gift that is. And what a responsibility. And so this morning, we're just, we're kind of sitting here. And that's just the question. What does it mean to you? I just challenge you this week to pray and ask God. God, what does it mean for me to belong to Grace Baptist? But what does it actually mean to be the church? To be a functioning, working member for your kingdom. Because in the end, it's not about the name of this church. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God's kingdom. Because that's the only thing that's going to last. That's the only thing that's going to be worth anything. That's going to make any change in any community is God's kingdom.